And so I'm reading from uh, verse 1, and uh, we'll do it in two parts, verse 1 to 10, and then the other part. And uh, it goes like this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John enter the, uh, about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Take him by the hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's ankles, feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him, them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Isn't that awesome? Yep. Here is a man who is lame from birth. Okay? So here is a man who has never walked. He has, like, from a baby, he, when it came to be a toddler, because a, a toddler by nature toddles, right? He never toddled. He never did that. He never walked at all. He has no muscles, no anything. If you ever see someone who doesn't walk, they're, mus- they're, they're, they're just skin and bones, you know? There's no muscle. There's nothing there to allow them to stand up, let alone walk and leap and praise God. Well, if you can praise God with your legs. So he's there begging at the gate every day. That's his only source of income. And he asks them for money. And they said, you look at us. He's expecting a donation and Peter says, yeah, we don't have got any money, so we're going to give you what we can. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. That's really big, isn't it? It's really big. He took him by the hand, he helped him up and instantly his legs and everything became strong. Right? They went from skin and bones to muscles and tendons and all the other stuff that's in legs. He didn't even have to learn to walk. He knew how to walk. In fact, he knew how to jump. He'd probably been dreaming about jumping for years. Yep. And that happened in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what Peter said. In the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Now, Jesus Christ was not a name they weren't uh, familiar with because it's about, give or take a day or two, this is about eight weeks after the crucifixion of Jesus. So he's talking to a group of people in Jerusalem and in the temple who, there was a big stir when Jesus was crucified. They knew him. But you see, um, only a living person can heal somebody. Wouldn't you agree? Dead people don't do much at all, do they? They 
they decay. That's about all they've got the gift to do. Um, this man was healed by Jesus Christ. This man was healed, and that is what is even more mind-blowing, is this man who was crucified is alive and he is healing. Amen. Isn't that good? And not only is he uh, healed, he's praising God. Now that's, a bit, that's an even bigger restoration, isn't it? When someone is made new by Jesus, he does the whole job. He finishes the job. Do you understand? He doesn't do a partial. If you say, you have been saved, mostly, then you haven't been saved. True? You have been forgiven, mostly, means you haven't been forgiven. Yep. When someone is born again, they are made new, fully, completely saved. I want to... um, just talk about this in a for a minute, and just it seems like a tangent, but I'm not. What I'm what I'm saying is this: Yeah, he, he was able to walk, but he was given the muscles to walk too. What I'm saying is this: Sometimes what happens is we get this thought in our head, and we say to and we hear I hear this said: You are saved by grace, or you are saved, you are justified by Jesus Christ. And your response is to that sanctification, being made holy. Your response to God's work is to do something, right? And there's no doubt because God's done something for us, we do everything for him except for one thing. You don't sanctify yourself. Sanctification is an act of God. He does it. Read it, read it in the Bible and find everywhere it says sanctify and you'll find that it seems to be saying God's doing that. We... Because what happens is, quite simply, if we believe we're doing that job, we get grumpy, we get critical, we get uh, religious. I'll read you a uh, verse. Paul says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And, do you know the next bit? He will do it. Who will sanctify? He will sanctify us. Because if we get it in our heads that we are going to do something that makes us a little bit more holy and a little bit more right with God, we are bringing God down to the level of, don't sing how great thou art, sing how average thou art. Do you understand? God is not on our level of holiness. The holiness that he has done when he gave us salvation is absolute and complete and it reaches to the heights of God. That's how perfect he's made us. Do you get that? We work hard. We put all our effort into doing what God calls us to do. But Christian growth is not growing in holiness. Because if you're growing in holiness, that means you're not fully holy. And if you're not fully holy, then you're not holy. You're either holy or you aren't. Right? You can't be half pregnant. Okay. You need to know that because if you otherwise, what will happen is you will start to see some of the works, which is obviously what God has done for us, you'll start to try and build your own muscles. Yeah, I know you've helped me walk, 
but I'm going to do this. He's the one who builds the muscles too. Do you get what I'm saying? When God does the job, he does it properly. He does it fully. So this man had been begging for years. I'm back to the story. Um, and most people, it seemed like everybody knew him. They'd either walk past him and looked at him. You don't look at him when he's looking at you, whereas then you've got to give money. So, But everyone knew this guy. And when they see him running around the temple, they want to know what's going on. So we're going to go on from verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, he's pretty happy with Peter and John. He's hanging on. All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. That's what you do when you see something amazing. You come running. Let's have a look at this. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power of godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must re- receive him until the time for God, uh, time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Okay. Remember, and I know I say this often, I get repetitive, a sign points to something, doesn't it? Yep. I'd use a simple example I always use. Five k's out the road, you get a sign that says, Deer and Bandy, five k's. So I stopped there and I said, gee, Deer and Bandy's a bit boring. Not even any people. You don't stop at a sign, do you? You go to what it points to. So I went to Deer and Bandy and here I am. That's good, isn't it? And what had just happened to this man was a sign. And everybody is running to who? Peter and John. So the first thing that Peter says is, don't look at us. Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Okay? The sign's not pointing to us, he's saying. We didn't make him walk. What are the things that two things that people often say we need to do miracles? What do we need to do miracles? We need power. And Peter's saying, we haven't got power, so don't look at us. Or you need to be really godly. Peter's saying, we're not godly, don't look at us. Yeah? Who did this? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers. Everybody in the temple is really happy with that bit. The God of Abraham, Isaac, you know, he's the God of the history of Israel. Yeah, he did that. That's cool. And then he says, he has glorified his servant Jesus. Now, 
I don't know if you can get this. This is a what? That bloke who was crucified, that's the... You've, you've aligned him with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Yeah, that's him. This is shock. Don't, we, we don't get that shock. Okay? They're in the temple. The place where you come to meet God because you have your sins forgiven there. They were the Jews of history and Peter tells them this is about Jesus. This Jesus who you crucified. He's the one. And then, like in his previous sermon, if you remember from a couple of weeks back when we talked about Peter on the day of Pentecost when he says, you did this, you killed him, he does the same again. Says, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him. You disowned the holy and righteous one. You asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. Okay. Have you ever heard the evangelistic techniques where you, you go to somebody and you say, are you a sinner? No, I'm pretty good. Um, well, have you ever told a lie? Yeah, well, I might have told a few lies. Have you ever looked on a woman last week? Yeah, I've done that, right? Peter doesn't start with that. He starts with, you killed the author of life. <laughs> a bit deeper. Yeah? You know the son of God, the holy, righteous one? You killed him. I think any other sin kind of is a little bit second, secondary to that. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> is that true? Is he just talking about those Jews who crucified Jesus? No, he's talking... Because not everybody who was gathered in the temple today was the one say, saying, crucify him, crucify him. Yeah? We killed the author of life. What caused Jesus to die? Our sins. He bore the wrath of God for our sins. He, he, the wages of sin that we deserve was put on him. You killed the author of life. Don't go around thinking sometimes, oh, I wonder if I've sinned, if I've done wrong, without realising that we've done the most serious thing in the universe. If he is the son of God, eternal, if all things were created through him and we killed him, whew, what are we deserving of? Death and wrath forever, I would say. And that's my uneducated opinion. <laughs> Until we see the truth of this, we will never repent and have faith. Okay? Because we'll kind of be of the mindset that we can fix ourselves up a bit. And he confronts them with this truth. And then he says... Uh, by faith in the name of Jesus. Interesting, he says, by faith in the name of How much faith did that uh, man have who got healed? <laughs> well, none. He wasn't even expecting that. He was after a dollar or two, wasn't he? That's what he was after. Uh, well, definitely the faith of uh, John and Peter. That's true. But you see, it is not by power of a man that is healed. It is not by the godliness of a man that is healed. It is by faith. That is quite simply trusting in God. And now he makes it completely clear though what, what Peter is saying. This is where the sign is pointing. So now you can have faith in this Jesus. So he's not given a hopeless message. 
you killed the Lord of glory. Sorry, you killed the author of life. Now you're all stuffed. He doesn't say that. He goes on and says, Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent means turn. Do a yui. Yeah? You're going this way, go that way. You're thinking this way, think that way. He's saying, repent. Turn from your ignorance. Turn from your unbelief in Jesus. Turn from yourself. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus and your sins will be wiped out. And that's a pretty cool Greek word. I looked up that and it says things like blot out or it even says obliterate. I also know I've told this story before. I don't have many, I don't have many stories from when I was young, but I got this one. When I was in year, year 10 in our maths class, um, I, I was like the smart aleck, well, or one of them, you know, who wanted all the attention. And we, were, we moved into the classroom this one day and the teacher didn't arrive. Our maths teacher, Mr Robinson was his name. So I jumped up in front of the class. I'm your teacher for today. Today, instead of doing maths, everybody, it's all right, kids, we're going to do limerick writing. That's what I said. But this math room had this new invention that was in nowhere else in the school. It was the first time I'd ever seen one. It was called a whiteboard. I don't know if you've heard of them. It was a whiteboard. So I said, oh, so we're going to do limerick making. And Has anybody got a pen? And this little girl in the front row who says, yeah, I've got one. And she pulled out a permit marker. And, um, and I started writing this limerick about the math teacher. And towards the end of the first line, I made a mistake. But that's easy, because you just go like that. And I went like that, and I got a bit of a smudge, but that's the best I got. And they're in permanent ink. And, yeah. Just imagine this. I can pick on anybody I like, but I'm going to pick on Cole. Just imagine, Cole, we had a whiteboard here, and say the first half, we'll just say half, we filled up with every sin you'd ever done in permanent ink. I left the other half because that's the and then And then I actually knew, so I'm going to write up all the things you're going to do too, by the way. Seemed to fill the other half as well. In permanent ink, and it doesn't rub off. And everybody can see it. It's there for all to see. Now, there's, there was a happy ending to this story because I, I realised I'm in trouble here. So I hightailed it to the tech studies lab, which you call man arts up here, and I got some terps, and I come running back with a rag and terps, and I wiped it off, and just in time to sit down and in walk Mr. Robinson, and they all lived happily ever after. Okay. What God has done through Jesus Christ, if you could have a record of everything you've done, it is in permanent ink, and we are all in trouble. Every bit of it stands as a charge. And at the heart of that charge is you have disowned and rejected the Son of God. You stand condemned forever. And what Jesus has done is he has come with turfs and a rag. No, he has come with his cross and by his blood he has blotted out all of our sin. And it is gone. That's full forgiveness. How about that? 
Just a little smile would be good. Your sins are all gone. You have been washed. Um, that's the end of the story. I oh, know. He goes on. And you'll receive times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. In other words, I'm not just wiping it out. I'm actually, well, we know that he pours out his Holy Spirit on people. He revives, he restores, he refreshes, he renews, he brings joy, he brings life. He, he gives us full light, refreshing. Yeah? Refreshment is, so we've been hot weather lately and we, I carry around with me when I work a, a water bottle and I, and I get dry and then I drink and I get refreshed and then I dry and... It, you see, notice, you notice that he says, and times of refreshing will come. Isn't it good? It's just not like we become a Christian and that's the end of the story. He continually refreshes us with his presence. As I've said before, and I know we said it around Pentecost um, when I was preaching, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on them in the, in the room when they, were, when they were resurrected. And then on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 4, they're all praying and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Yep. And then Paul says, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Times of refreshing. I remember when I became a Christian, we watched a movie the other night. It was a, a Jesus movie. It was all right. I don't, I don't need to talk about that. But in it, this bloke becomes a Christian. And, and, and as I was watching it, I just, I just remembered when I came to faith. The excitement. The, you know, I was still all over the shop. Mate, my life was a mess. But I became a Christian and I just was excited about Jesus. Everything was a mess, but I was excited about Jesus. I don't know if you remember that time when you got excited about Jesus, where it's just like, this is so new, this is so wonderful. And I found myself at the end of this movie thinking, Lord, renew me. I want that again. I want, I want my first love to be restored. I, I want to be renewed in that. And he brings times of refreshing that come from where? From his very presence to us. From the presence of God. That's the positive thing. Believe in Jesus. Have your sins wiped out. Have a refreshing that comes from the Lord. And, and he says in verse 23, anyone who does not listen to him, that's Jesus, will be completely cut off from their people. In other words, there's the positive, receive the forgiveness of sins, receive the renewal, but if you don't, you're going to be cut off from the people of God. That's the negative side of things. Uh, He's speaking to Jews there and he's saying really, just because you're Israel, just because you're born Jewish, don't think that that means that you are going to be forever with God. You, if, you do, if you reject Jesus, the Son of God, you will not be, you'll be cut off from God's people. Because you'll be cut off from God. Peter finishes in verse 25. He says, And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Jesus is there for all people, not just the Jews, for all people on earth. They too can turn from their wicked ways to Jesus. Peter 
sees this great miracle. And this miracle is really, it's a really important miracle because you see, this is kind of the moment that everybody in the temple, the Jews, see that Jesus is the answer. What happened at Pentecost didn't happen in the temple, but you see that that happened in Jerusalem. But you see, what happens here is God made this very special, this very powerful miracle in display for all the people of the temple, all of the Jews, to show something. Jesus is the fulfilment of Israel. He's the fulfilment of the prophets, it says in that passage. He's the fulfilment of Moses. He's the fulfilment of the law. He's the new temple. Jesus is the place you meet with God. He shows, Peter shows the depths of human sin. You rejected the author of life. It gives the answer. Repent, have faith, receive forgiveness and refreshing that comes from the Lord himself. Um, today, I'm going to pray. Uh, if you are someone here who has never actually accepted Jesus, if you have not received the forgiveness of sins, then um, today's the day. Trust in Jesus. And if you have and you've gone dry and you've gone cold and life is just hard and you feel that you just become doing the God thing, then we're going to pray too for you that you would receive times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we want to just start by confessing we have sinned against you and the the terrible sin that we've really done is rejecting your son. Our sin is disgusting, Father, and we're not worthy of you. We just want to confess that, knowing that there's nothing in ourselves that can deal with that at all. We need you, and we need your son, Jesus. And so we thank you for the forgiveness of sins that he's brought. We thank you that forgiveness is a complete blotting out, a complete wiping away of all our sin that was marked in permanent marking. Thank you that he has forgiven our sins. And Father, we pray this morning also for the renewal of your Holy Spirit to come to us, that you would refresh and restore us. Father, that you would make that first love come to life again, that we would just be in awe and wonder of you. Renew us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.